I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Of course, we just sang those words, but I'm guessing you were familiar with them even before that. Those words come to us from Amazing Grace, probably one of the most popular and most well-known hymns in all of Christianity. They were written by a man named John Newton. And perhaps you've heard some of his story as well. John Newton worked on a ship that was involved in the slave trade. And on one particular occasion, that ship that he was on got stuck in a violent storm. And John Newton, even though he really didn't grow up believing in God, still got to the point in that storm that he cried out, God have mercy on me. And he himself credits that event for at least setting him on the path that eventually led to him becoming a Christian, becoming a priest in the Anglican church, becoming an abolitionist, somebody who worked against slavery, and yes, of course, becoming a hymn writer who wrote words like, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. He wrote, I was blind, but now I see. But I'll let you in on a secret. He wasn't blind. Now, that's probably not a surprise to you. You understand how the English language works, that we can use words and, and phrases in figurative ways so they don't mean the exact, obvious, literal meaning. And so when John Newton wrote, or when we sing, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see, we're not talking about getting lost in the woods somewhere. We're not talking about having trouble finding our way around Tucson streets. We're not talking about being unable to see anything as if we're in total darkness. We're not even talking about needing glasses or contact lenses or LASIK surgery. We're using these phrases in a spiritual sense. We mean that like John Newton, we can confess that there was a time when we did not know God, we did not trust in Him, that we were blind to the truth about Him, but that He's saved us from that. He's rescued us from that. He's allowed us to see. And so we use a term like blindness to talk both about physical blindness and about spiritual blindness. In fact, in our gospel today, we met a man who was blind in both of these ways. And through his interaction with Jesus, he gained sight in both of these regards. And his experience, what happened to him, is contrasted with what happened to the Pharisees who are kind of described as going in the other direction. As we consider these verses, as we focus on this account, as we take lessons from it, we see this, that Jesus gives us true sight. 
Now, the first sight that Jesus gave, the first blindness or blind spot that he overcame, was actually a blind spot for his own disciples. Jesus and his disciples came upon a man who had been born blind, and the disciples saw this, and they thought, well, he's blind. This is a really serious issue. Something really terrible must have happened to cause this. And they asked Jesus, well, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents so that he was born blind? They thought the way that the world often thinks, that something so bad as blindness must have come as a result of a very particular sin, and so they wanted to know more about it can understand their question because, of course, if it was the man's parents who had sinned, doesn't it seem a little unfair that he would suffer the consequences of their sin? But if the blindness was a consequence of his own sin, well, he was born blind. Was he born already suffering consequences of a sin that he was still going to commit at some time in his life? That was their struggle. And Jesus answered their struggle by saying, this blindness, this issue wasn't about punishment. This issue, this blindness was about allowing God's glory to be revealed through Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus was teaching his disciples that God operates in a completely different way. It's not the way the world thinks that God must operate. It's not an idea like karma, where if I do good, well, then good gets done to me. And if I do bad, well, then bad is what comes back to me. It's not that. God's plan is not to punish every single sin with a specific earthly consequence, although there are some sins that kind of carry with them a, a natural consequence of that sin. No, God's plan, God's plan is to forgive sins, is to remove sins, is to forget about sins, and God's plan is to use the bad things, maybe especially to use the bad things in our lives, to bring people closer to Him. That's what happened to the man in our sermon text. It's difficult at times for us to learn this lesson. It's difficult at times for us to apply it to our own lives. Maybe we think about that, that active member of our congregation, somebody who's well-loved, who then gets a diagnosis with a serious and even fatal disease. And don't we start to wonder right away, well, why would God allow something so bad happen to someone who seems so good? Maybe there are other times in our own lives that we cry out, well, why is this happening to me, Lord? Or perhaps we just approach it from this perspective of if we, if we feel like things are going pretty well, then we're convinced, well, God must be pretty happy with us. And that's devastated when something goes wrong, and then we have to wonder, well, now what did I do? 
that God's changed his mind, that God's upset with me. Blindness was a real issue. It was a real burden for this man. It was something that he did suffer under. We wouldn't want to place a burden like that on anyone. We wouldn't want to treat it lightly. But having heard everything that happens to this man, don't you suppose that he would tell us that the blindness and the suffering and the struggle was all worth it in the end? I suspect he would certainly say that. Because here's what happened to him. First, Jesus cured this man's physical blindness. Jesus spit on the ground. He made some mud with his saliva and the dirt, and he he rubbed it on the man's eyes, and then he sent the man to wash himself in a pool named for sending. The man listened to Jesus, did as Jesus told him to do, and he came back able to see for the first time in his life. Jesus had revealed himself as true God, all-powerful, able to do miracles like this, to bring sight where there was only blindness before, and he more than that demonstrated his love and his mercy in this man's life. He fulfilled prophecy, prophecies that said the Messiah would bring sight from blindness. But as amazing as it was that Jesus healed this man's physical sight, that's not the most amazing thing about his story. Because Jesus also went on to heal this man's spiritual blindness. This man knew right away that Jesus was somebody special. When he was asked about it, he said, He's a prophet. We'll come back in a little bit to the people who asked him about it. But Jesus returned and allowed himself to be seen by this man again. And he changed his life again. Jesus returned to clarify that he was the one that God had sent, the one that God had chosen. We might call him the Messiah or the Christ, the promised one, the Son of God. Allow this man to see him as he truly was, not just some miracle worker, but as the Savior of the world, as this man's Savior. His physical sight, his physical sight was going to serve this man for exactly the rest of his earthly life. But things had changed well beyond that for this man because his spiritual sight, being able to see Jesus for who he truly is, changed this man's eternal destiny. It's the same thing that changes your eternal destiny. Whether you've had that that moment of clarity, and you can kind of think back to the time where you, you almost remember your spiritual eyes being opened and you, you came to know that Jesus was your Savior. Whether it happened that way or it happened when you were a tiny baby being brought to the baptismal font, maybe this one or maybe one similar. In any case, God took you from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. 
You did not and could not know him or see him, and he allowed you to do exactly that. Now think about this. Jesus, Jesus didn't go to this man and say, all you need to do if you want to see is believe strongly enough that you're going to see and it's going to happen for you. Jesus didn't say, what will you give me in order to see? How much are you willing to pay? Jesus didn't go to this man and say, you know, clearly you've had an unlucky break. You don't deserve this. You're a pretty good guy and this is a really bad thing. Let's, let's straighten this out. Let's fix the issue. Jesus didn't approach it like that. What Jesus did was he gave this man a gift. He gave this man a gift through his saliva and mud and washing, the gift of being able to see physically. And we come to our spiritual sight in the same way. It's not about wanting it. It's not about prayer. It's not about behavior. It's not about becoming a better person or giving something to God in order to have our lives changed. It depends on God's gift of faith. And that's why God has the Apostle Paul say to the Ephesians and say to us, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. God wants us to love and serve Him. God wants us to put our sinful ways behind us. God wants us to do the good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do. But it's not those things that bring us close to God. It's not those things that make us right with God. It's not those things that change our lives. God's gift of faith changes our lives, allows us to see Jesus as our Savior, and then, because our lives are changed, we serve and love God and serve and love others. But there are dangers, and there are enemies all around us. The Pharisees called the blind man in. They wanted to talk to him. They were worried about Jesus healing him on the Sabbath day. Now, we didn't read all of the details. We didn't read all of John chapter 9, but this is what happened. The Pharisees, for a time, denied that Jesus had even done a miracle. They blinded themselves to this fact that was right in front of them. They suggested maybe this man wasn't really born blind and he was kind of faking that this whole thing had happened. Then they said that his blindness was really proof that he was born completely sinful, that he was entirely born in sinfulness or steeped in sin at birth. They thought they should be the ones to determine how people should react spiritually. They should be the ones who are making the decisions about what's right and what's wrong. They, should, they thought they should be the ones that were, were looked up to in all spiritual things. In other words, we could say that 
that even though they were physically able to see, and even though they had all sorts of spiritual advantages from birth, they remained in their blindness of sin and unbelief. They were blind to the truth. They refused to see Jesus as the Savior that they needed. Your world puts out lots of darkness and shadows that would obscure Jesus for you. If our society acknowledges Jesus at all, well, it seems to acknowledge him something like this. Yeah, he might have been a good teacher. Maybe he was a pretty good person. But all this stuff about miracles, all this stuff about rising from the dead, that can't possibly be true. That's got to be myth. That's got to be legend. That's got to be something that other people made up about him. Or there are activists throughout our society who try to tell us, try to convince us that the very things that God warns us about, the things that he abhors and detests, the things that he warns us against because he knows how dangerous they would be for our faith, they tell us that those things are really the best things in life, the things that should be celebrated, the things that quite possibly would make us the happiest. And the same worldly attitude says about you and your relationship with Jesus says, well, one, there's no way he helps you, but really, your relationship with him might be the worst thing about you. That's how significant and how dangerous the darkness is all around us. The whole world is filled filled with darkness like that. But that's exactly why Jesus came into this dark world. He says, for judgment I came into this world in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. Jesus rescues people from their spiritual blindness. He makes them see. And that means that his judgment also comes down on those who refuse to see Jesus as he truly is, who refuse to see their own sinfulness. They'll be found out as frauds, as darkness. This is who Jesus truly is, the one who faced down the darkness of sin and death and the devil, the one who went to the cross to suffer for our sins, not his own, the one who in victory escaped from the tomb alive again. He's given us spiritual sight and he invites us to share the good news with others so that they too might see. Jesus gives us true sight. That means that we who were born in sin and unbelief, <clears throat> who were destined for death and for absolute destruction, have been given not only sight, but eternal life with Jesus forever. That's a message that we have to, to share with others, to bring light to their lives, and that is a message that we have to know and love and cherish and read and study message is this. 
I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. In Jesus, amen.